Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. What's happening, Yosefs and Yosefalinas? It is me, Brian McWilliams, and I'm here with the one of the only... Jonathan Odermatt. Hi, John. Yeah, what's up, man? I have uh, I've brought my anger a game, my double A. I, my I <laughs> I should hope so. Well, you know, I'm ready with both barrels, ready to rock and roll, man. I mean, we're gonna do so. Let me set the stage here first. So, uh, John's joining me on the show today. We have a uh, our you know our Nittany level of the Lions Liberty Pride. You could join that patreon.com forward slash Lions Liberty. But if you join in the Nittany level, you get to produce a show. You know, you get one a year and you can choose whatever topic you want to talk about. So our, uh, our friend, longtime supporter, Jason Carrier uh, had, wait, no, yes, Jason Carrier. Carrier. Sorry, I get my Jason's confused sometimes. He had asked that we talk about a strategy wherein we will uh, dive into kind of, I guess it's the Young Americans for Liberty strategy, but essentially running libertarians as Republicans and Democrats and trying to influence things through that manner, which I know John said he has some ta- strong opinions on. Now, before we get into that, John and I were just talking because we're starting the show. We're doing a live feed right now to the Lions Liberty Pride group. But John's dealing with a bust water uh, water main in your front yard. And I, of course, have been battling with Sprint slash T-Mobile. So we'll both talk about our tales of woe. So, John, would you like to take us into your situation? Yeah, I can I can tee this up here. So we've we've lived in our house for about eight years, I think, give or take, somewhere in the neighborhood. And just to uh, kind of give you perspective here. So, well, first of all, our, our water is serviced by a company called Pennsylvania American Water. And as it works with water companies, I think in most states, they basically have a monopoly. Like you can't pick a different water company. You're stuck with them. So that's uh, that's the first problem there. Your, your alternative is through- to look up at the sky, do a dance, and pray for rain. That's your alternative. Exactly. <laughs> Where you could uh, dig a well and God knows what you'll find. <clears throat> so we've had in that time, just conservatively, I would say 16 water main breaks, about two a year. Sometimes Jesus. sometimes many more. This is our third one this year. And um, the last time I called, I got in a huge argument with customer service because the person on the line had some sort of mental issues and couldn't understand that I was explaining that the water was leaking from their line. And she's saying, well, if it's coming from your house, I'm like, no, you stupid freaking motherfucker. It's coming from your line in front of my house. So we're going to, anyway. Maybe um, she had water in her ears. <laughs> Makes sense. So I'm having trouble hearing you. I was swimming in our water main earlier, coincidentally directly in front of your house. <laughs> It's it's just it's it's layers upon layers of anger that I get to um, because so we've done a bunch of renovations to our house over uh, you know, since moving in here. When we moved in, um, we moved in, and the people who lived here previously had did nothing since they bought the house since 1965. Didn't even no have a sex dungeon. There was just yeah, it was it, it was it was a mess. It was a mess. Let alone the three in the that attic. you require. <laughs> what's yeah. that? I said they didn't even have one sex dungeon, let alone the three sex dungeons that you require. Yeah, three sex dungeons, five sex dungeons. <laughs> um, 
So anyway, so a bunch of work. One thing was putting in a nice new sidewalk. Nice new sidewalk. They had these shitty freaking stones that look like garbage. Sidewalks cost a lot of money, surprisingly, for those of you who aren't adults and haven't paid for cement work. They're not cheap. So a water main break like three years ago happened and knocked out like the first three parts of the sidewalk segments or whatever. And they came and replaced them. Different color. Different fucking color. <laughs> looks like shit. <laughs> now it just broke again right on the sidewalk and the water is just and mud is coming right down the sidewalk and just pooling right in front of my house and starting to carry away my landscaping. So I was calling, mm. screaming about that, saying somebody's get out here fucking immediately because I'm sure it'll take them eight, 10 hours to get out here and my yard oh, yeah. will be gone by then. And then what do they do? They come and they'll just, the actual workers are pretty good. They come, they're quick because they're contracted in from a private company probably they fix it they're in they're out in like an hour or two um but then it, it'll just sit there just a, a pile of dirt probably until the spring and then they'll come and probably replace my sidewalk and it'll look like a piece of garbage um yep. so i gotta try to prevent that from happening somehow well and of course they're also patching it you know they're not going to replace the main they're not going to replace the big problem they're not going to put in a giant yep. new piece of piping that would actually solve the issue they're just patching it right yep, that's all, all it do. is so yeah, so you're going to come and have the same issue again. How is dealing with uh, the idiots and customer service this time around? This this last one was actually, I, I would put her close to the top. Um, she was very good in that um, the more I cursed at her, the more uh, cordial she became. Um, sometimes <laughs> the opposite happens. And I try like I try not to do that with customer service, but I am just so, yeah, yeah. so past it with these people. Like I, I, I don't know what else to do. I, I'm lost. Lost for words. Yeah, dude. I uh, so you know. Similarly, I also try not to be obstinate with the customer service people. I know that they are dealing with a lot. You know, and like it's just and most people that they talk to are going to be pissed off, right? That's like your job. Your job is to deal with mm-hmm. these super pissed off people all the fucking time. And I appreciate that. And I like even when I was on the phone. So. I just got Sprint T-Mobile, right? Sprint T-Mobile merged. I should say I had Sprint forever. I've been with them for like 20 years, right? An unprecedented amount of time in the cell phone biz where people are trying to pay off your shit, give you new phones, all this other crap. 20 years. I see an ad on the TV, which I'll play for you. And basically the ad doesn't say shit about changing plans. This says, hey, you want a phone? We're going to go ahead and if you want a new phone, we're going to give you this iPhone 13 or you, you upgraded the phone. We'll give you free AirPods and free Apple TV. Now, as you can see, I already have AirPods. I don't need the AirPods specifically, right? But I would like a backup pair. I can use them for whatever. I can use them for podcasting. I can give them as a Christmas gift, whatever. I'm like, all right, so I'll you upgrade. Let me let me ask about this deal. So you didn't have to switch to you had to switch to T-Mobile, right? It's it. No, no, no. Here, I'll play you. I'll play you the ad that I responded to, what? which is why I'm I'm having this fucking feud with these motherfuckers, and I refuse to let it die because I'm not vindictive in my personal. Well, I could be vindictive. I'd say if you if you fuck Brian McWilliams, Brian McWilliams will never forgive you. So let me <laughs> let me share this. I'll I'll play the commercial that got me. And you can judge for yourself, right? So here's my screen. Let me, let me make it big. I'll play. It's the most joyous time of the year. Especially at T-Mobile. Let's go to Diane. Can you tell us what's happening? Yeah, I got the awesome new iPhone 13 Pro and AirPods. And T-Mobile's paying for them both. Oh, and I get a free year of Apple TV+. Plus. And this is for new and existing T-Mobile and Sprint customers. Like me. Mm. Back to you. Uh, 
Uh, hello? We're going to T-Mobile. Right, so they upgrade That's the, the iPhone 13 now, Pro and now, AirPods I, both on us. This week only at T-Mobile. If I go back, right, on us. This and week only. Pause on- it. Let me just You'll insert see. our quick ad here. This podcast is brought to you by T-Mobile, of course. You can- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking right. Yeah, fucking right, man. This podcast is brought to you by our Patreon. Go give us money for Christmas, you sons yes. of bitches. Uh, you can listen to my Good Morning Fuckhead rants. On which the- Today I did a nice rant about the 100,000-plus uh, troops that are supposedly amassing on the border. We can talk about that, too. Between Russia and the Ukraine, wank, wank, my fucking ass. So... Now it says here, and this is like, you can see how fast this thing flips up here at the very end. You know, they throw up this graphic. It says for well-qualified customers and tax with qualifying trade-in max. And I, but I don't know what that means. Max. What does that mean to me? I don't fucking know. It could be a guy. Maybe a fucking guy named Max comes to my house and jerks me off. I don't know. And it says it in the banner. Yeah, with Max. Great. So apparently, even though you saw in that ad, it didn't say you had to up your, up your change your plan to get a bigger, more expensive plan, which is what Max is apparently. I go and I'm like, all right, I'll take the free AirPods. I'll upgrade my plan. I'm an existing customer in fine standing. I've been this company for 20 years. Upgrade, get my phone. I'm like, where's my fucking AirPods? Don't get them. Call Sprint. Call, you know, call T-Mobile. Hey, I'm on the phone for 45 fucking minutes, right? Get my phone set up. Can't even get that done right. Finally, they go, no, you're not on the contract to do it. We can't help you. And I'm like, that's bullshit. Tell me, give me a, you know, an expert, blah, blah, blah. So now I'm on Twitter though, and I'm having a vendetta. So if you're listening to my voice right now on this podcast, the thousands of you that listen to this podcast every week, I encourage you to go to my Twitter at Brian McWilliams and to retweet me and to give T-Mobile the fucking biz. Because I have now been dealing with this for 24 hours trying to get these fucking AirPods sent to me because they give you a rebate, right? You get them through Sprint, but they give you a rebate or through T-Mobile. They're denying me. They're like, we'll give you $65 off. And I tell them, that's not the deal. The ad said, you give me free AirPods if I upgrade to the iPhone 13. And they're like, well, it said in the commercial you had to upgrade to Max. And I said, no, it fucking didn't. Did you hear them say you have to upgrade to Max during that commercial loading? No. No. It had a banner that said, with Max. That to me doesn't sound like I have to change my plan that sounds like max is a benefit right like we're gonna give you max so max (laughs) is the name of their biggest plan of the biggest plan yeah of the biggest plan that's max apparently it's not just a trucker it's not one of our many trucking fans that's the name of the fucking plan so so does sprint does sprint own t-mobile t-mobile bought they merged with sprint but t-mobile is the bigger company i guess okay yeah does, yeah. Is T-Mobile's CEO that that wacky guy? Um, I don't know how to explain him. Yeah, he's a he's wacky a we- guy. Yeah, he know. is. He's a weird dude. I know exactly what you're talking about. And yes, he yeah. is. That is that guy. So anyway, that's what I've been dealing with, and I'm going back and forth with these customer service reps. But this is where I want to come back around to, right? And this way, I did this whole talk with the Bastiat Society here in LA when I was talking about libertarian touch points, right? How we tend to like drive people away and piss people off, and we're we're obstinate people, and we tend to be dicks. And I will say, though, you know, it's maybe we should be nicer, like our customer service reps. But these fucking reps, man, piss me the fuck off. I got handed to 50 different people. And it comes to a point, right? I've been with the company almost 20 years. This one thing has pissed me off so badly that I don't want to I don't want to be a Sprint customer. I don't want to be a T-Mobile customer anymore. And it's come pissed on, me off so badly. Come on over badly. to Cricket. Come on over yeah, to I, Cricket. I might be come joining on. on the Cricket train, man. <laughs> I, I might be taking part. Because now, here's the thing, though. Now, these fucking imbeciles 
could have just placated me, right? Give me a fucking, say, hey, take a month free for your goddamn effort and time, right? Instead of that, they just pissed me off. So they turned a loyal customer into an outspoken vocal advocate against their company who is now set on causing them and costing them business. All they have to do is sell me the AirPods. Now I will cost them more business, I promise you, then will be worthwhile for them to just fucking placate my ass after this bullshit. They didn't know you had a podcast with thousands of people following. They don't know (laughs) that. I, they don't know that. But even if they didn't, it's still, I'll, you know, hashtags yeah. and memes, baby. I have a, I'll show you the meme I created. I like every, like literally every promotion they run. I will, I will tweet the promotion every time and say, don't buy this promotion. I got scammed by T-Mobile. And that will be that. Like that will be fucking that. It, it just so. shows you like how broken corporations are just in general. Like back in the day or even like back, I'm talking like five years ago. Like Sirius XM was famous for this. You used to be able to just call them, you know, if your yep. bill went up, you bought a new car and they, you know, they upped your plan or whatever, or your, you know, your trial run. When you buy a new car, you'll get like six months free or a year yeah. half price or whatever. Typically, if you called them and you bitched a little bit, they'd be like, okay, well, we'll give you this, this, and this, and they'll cut you a deal, something decent. I mean, when did, it seems like that stopped and these corporations yeah, just, just I- shove a boot up your ass now. That reminds me, I need to call Sirius. Thank you for reminding me. Because <laughs> I've been getting charged like $30 a month and I just, I call them and yell at them and they usually drop to 99. Yeah. Well, that's, and the same with like cable companies. But yeah, I, well, it's, I, I think it has something to do with maybe it's the outsourcing of customer service, right? So everything's at call center now. You don't have people that are personally accountable anymore. You can't, and also here's the other thing. You can't speak to anybody on the phone anymore. I've tried, and to escalate it is almost impossible, right? So I can get some people on the phone, but they're always in a call center. If you try to escalate it to a supervisor, you almost can't get through. And there used to be numbers you could find online for like executive service numbers. I remember I got like $500 in bank fees wiped out one time by calling, you know, uh, my Bank of America. I called United and got them to give me a free flight upgrade and all this other shit by bitching at them. Like you could bitch your way into a lot of shit and people would go out of the way to make good PR stories. And now... The irony to me is that you've got social media, right? You've got this instantaneous feedback system in social media, which can bring benefit, right? You could have a heartwarming story. You could hashtag T-Mobile gives to, I don't know, orphan dogs that are out, you know, trans, trans, lesbian, orphan dogs, whatever they might be, a heartwarming story for the holidays. You could give to those people. And that's a great story. But at the same time, you have people like me out there that are going to cause a huge stink on social media. So shouldn't you be more enticed to just shut me the fuck up and give me something good to talk about on social media? You, you would think so. I mean, these are freaking billion dollar companies. They shouldn't be, uh, they, especially like they should pull up your profile. Oh, Brian's been with us for 20 years. Maybe we can throw this asshole a bone. Like it doesn't make any sense. They, they've lost their, uh, their compass. Uh, It's, it's just a de- the yep. degrada- degradation of society, you know. Yes, yeah. it's terrible. There, there goes customer customer service. So goes society. Well said, John. Well, all right. Should we get into uh, to what Jason wanted to talk about here? And I'll I'll read his his particular phrasing of it uh, because he put it in a very specific way. And John, like I said, he said he had a very a uh, uh, lot to say about it. So we'll see how much you actually had to say about it. So he wanted to talk about this for Jason Carrier. He says, look, I want to talk about a path to power. 
Uh, I want to talk about the 120 wins and how to find races that are unopposed, right? How do we get to 120 wins? Finding races that are unopposed. I want to discuss a Fabian libertarian model uh, where we find libertarians to run in both the GOP and Democratic primaries in the same race. The work Young Americans for Liberty is doing and by hook or crook, how to win. I like the culture change approach, but I'm 48 and I want power now. <laughs> Partly because I want to be left alone. The other part is the corrupt system and I want to get uh, get paid on it. <laughs> Anyway, so so there's really three, what do you think? three parts there, right? There's the yeah, 120, yeah. 125 wins. There's yeah. the Fabian model running, you know, a, a libertarian leaning person on, on both the Republican Democratic ticket. And then the last one was was what? The last one is uh no, basically that basically two part system. Yeah, you hit the you you hit the two part question up front. There wasn't really a third part, it was just kind of bullshit at the end. I can inform what he's talking about on the first one, and then we can kind of kind of riff on that for a bit, then move on to the to the second question. But so when he's talking about the 120 wins, that comes from a previous exchange that we had, and that ha- is what happened in uh, in Pennsylvania this year with the the local elections. So the Pennsylvania Libertarian Party has found a way to basically steal not steal, um, but all the empty seats that come up in mostly off-year elections, so odd-number-year mm-hmm. elections, you know, so, someone running for constable or for auditor, all these jobs that, like, most of the time nobody runs for, and then the people are just appointed. So they found out, this was probably, I don't know, four or five years ago, uh, a uh, libertarian activist in Pennsylvania, Ken, I think his name's Ken Molman, yeah, he the Molman. You know, figured out that they're... <laughs> Figured out there's a way to basically just mine this data and pull out all these open positions, and then with all the the voter rolls that we have of registered libertarians, then zero in and just mail all of the libertarians who live in that district in that area and say, "Hey, constable for your area is open. No one's running. You got to do. We'll send you the paperwork. We'll show you how to do it. You file it, and uh, you can be constable." So they've been doing that, and it's it's been working. And ha- I mean, just this past election season, I got a letter in the mail where I live, Upper <laughs> St. Clair, Pennsylvania. Constable, position is open. Do you want to run for it? Hell no, I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> but somebody, there's a libertarian in my area who did run, and of course they won because nobody ran nice. against them. So we now have, now have a libertarian constable in my uh, in my town here, which which is cool. So like, I think there's a, a couple different things to point out here. I, I think. This is one thing the Libertarian Party should be doing uh, across the country, should be focusing on this. And I think it should be one of the larger uh, priorities is scooping up all of the easy wins. Why not? Why Mm -hmm. not, you know, get people, get to know people in your community, get in positions of, you know, leadership-ish positions, not really getting big jobs, but, yeah. you know, people see a title for constable. They don't know what it means. I mean, I don't know what it means. Right. Well, and also, right, I mean, it gives you, and that also gives you a leg up in having, like, if you're running in a, in a race, right, if you're trying to be something bigger, right, a city councilman or, or a congressman or whatever it might be, and you don't have any name recognition, you don't have any background in, in the political sphere or in governance, having something like that to say, you know, oh, I was constable in, you know, whatever bumblefuck mm-hmm. area of Pittsburgh you live in. You know, I was constable here and I now am running for this other position and I'll bank on my experience. I mean, that is important to a lot of people. Like a shocking number of people will actually give you the time of day now, whereas they probably wouldn't before. 
I hundred percent agree. Um, and I, th- I think libertarians have a a problem in that a lot of our candidates, when you just look at them, even just their face, you're like, that guy's not qualified to do this job. You kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> kind of Agreed. joking, kind of not joking. That was, if you know what I mean. That was the difference between the the people I met in Austria at the Austrian Economics Conference and our domestic libertarians here in America. I shit you not. I was like, these people all look like they really got it together. They're in suits. They're shaven. They're at least. Fifty-five percent of them are attractive. <laughs> not here. I mean, it's 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 a serious. I mean, but it's a problem. And I mean, I, I'm not making fun of people's looks. You libertarians, all everyone listening to this show, we have the best looking libertarians who listen to our show. We know that everyone knows. Obviously. That. Um, but also, and we've talked about this before. Like before, if you want to run for office, before you do that, you know, maybe you should move out of your mom's basement. Maybe you should have a full time job. You know, maybe have a car. You know, thing, things like that. Ideally, you know, have a successful career, you know, be on, you know, involved with some charities, be on some boards, maybe have some things or be the constable in your local community, have some things on your resume. So you look like you have it together at least, yeah. you know, as, as you know, Brian, most adults, we're all faking it. You just got to get at least, at least put some effort into faking it. If you're going to run for office. Right, exactly. You can't drive around in a, you know, you can't fake it with a cardboard car with, uh, you know, wheels of cheese for wheels and tell people you're driving a Maserati. You actually have to have something that resembles a car. And I, you know, that's what I was talking about for a while is libertarians, you know, we talk about economics, we talk about the free market, we talk about business acumen, but there are, you know, we need more success stories of people out there in the public sphere. And if mm-hmm. you're a lawyer, I mean, there's so many lawyers that run for office. Lawyers are pretty much always successful. If you're a small business owner, you probably have a good amount of following in the community. You probably know people. You probably have friends. Run for office. I mean, that's like the basic people who are going to get it done, who have the respect in the community. And yeah, you are, you're a success story in your own right, right? Unless COVID wiped you out. So no, I love that strategy. I, I, I absolutely fucking adore it, actually. Uh, and I think it's something where, you talk about how the Libertarian Party doesn't have a lot of money behind it, right? And I've said that Libertarian Party, I don't even think that they should necessarily back that many people financially in a lot of these races because I don't think it's going to do much. I think this is a vastly better strategy. I'd rather mm-hmm. see that money go to supporting causes, charities, uh, and initiatives that are going to have more impact for creating a sustainable future of Libertarians on the way rather than spending it in big races we don't have a lot of chance of winning in. So this makes a lot of sense to me because it doesn't involve that much monetary Terry, uh, you know, requirement if you're running unopposed. It's just basic getting your name out. And you could do that going door to door, knocking on some things and speaking at a couple of local uh, gatherings. Yeah. And, and you can raise money on the back of it, you know, saying, look, yeah. we got 125 seats. We want to do this next year, expand to, to double it or triple it or whatever. And people will give you money to do that when you have something proven to work. That's how you start to like, like gain steam. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you're saying we want to raise money because we got our presidential candidate who's we're gunning for 3% this year. We, we can do it. <laughs> right. That's not easy to raise money on that. Yeah, exactly right, man. All right. Well, that's so that's the one strategy, right? Um, what about the Fabian libertarian model running both GOP and Democratic in the primaries? And I'm not familiar with this, by the way. Is this a new strategy? Is this an old strategy? Because I this is the first time I've heard somebody float running two people in both primaries on both sides from the libertarian space, and I'm kind of intrigued by it. I I, I don't know if it's new or old. Um, I've heard people talk about too. I mean, you hear about it more just from the uh, Republican side running libertarians as as Republicans. Of course, there's yeah, the, yeah, exactly. You know, like Tho Bishop, who, who's uh, promoting that cause, and I, I mean, I think a lot of cases. 
that's I think that's the way to go. I, I think a mix of a libertarian party strategy and a, a Republican libertarian strategy is, is 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 a good thing. On the Democrat side, I mean, I think in some areas it could work, and maybe California is is one where you. But you, you're going to have to be lying. I mean, you're, you're going to be lying a little bit if you're really a libertarian running as a Democrat, like, and you're walking into their meeting. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to lie. Otherwise, they're gonna freaking kick you right out of the room. So I, I really don't know how, how how you do it since there's so much misalignment with that side. I don't know, man. I I I think it can be done, but it can't be done in the way that the Libertarian Party did it last election cycle, where you're just you know basically pandering to the left and. And in that way, you know, obfuscating what we really believe in, like, you know, the blind support for Black Lives Matter and that kind of shit. You know, I think that you could actually run on a fairly, I think, a fairly honest platform. But you'd have to say, look, I'm not for a massive social programs. But if you could provide solutions, I think you could actually manage to get people on board. Like, I use this example when I talk to my super progressive buddy here, Jamie, right? He is the most unreachable leftist honk you could ever imagine. The most unreachable, but I managed to win him over on one thing or two two things. Uh, one is poverty, and the other is education. Because I made the simple point to them that what we've done doesn't work. You know, you can use spending as an example. We spend more, especially here in California. We spend more per student and get less. We have the you know highest failure rates. We have highest dropout rates. We have the lowest ranking schools in the country. And meanwhile, we spend more than almost anybody else. You get, you take poverty. How much do we have spent on poverty, on welfare programs? The poverty line stayed the same. And in fact, you know, people that are living in poverty right now, in, in real poverty, they haven't been helped by any of these programs that are out there. Yet we keep throwing money at it more and more and more than any other civilized nation out there. And there's no, there's no results. So I think you could run on the Democratic ticket, running on a strong drug platform, a strong education platform, especially now with CRT and like suburban Democrat moms are furious with what's going on with the CRT mm-hmm. and divisiveness in schools. So you can actually run on school choice and come at it from the perspective that Democrats should applaud, which is that the minorities are are getting the most benefit from this. School choice helps the people that are the poorest. It helps them get out of the ghettos that have been created for them by Democratic policies of the past and one more reason to try to change and have a new democratic future as as laid out and as merged with libertarian philosophies that actually look to help people in the end and not just throw money at a circumstance and give claptrap bullshit. I think you could actually have a pretty powerful offering right now as opposed to, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, I I think maybe. Maybe the race where it could work is in those very, you know, hyper local, you know, city council. Mm -hmm mayor, something like that. But I think once you get into state level and certainly federal level politics, I, I don't think, I don't think that's the, the path or even, you know, if you get to, you know, the governor of the state and things like that, I think yeah, that probably not one of, one of the paths there, which I'd love to see somebody kind of take this tact. And I know, you know, in the news recently, and when I say in the news, I mean, on Liberty Twitter is uh Shane Hazel. who's going to be running for, uh, <clears throat> for governor in Georgia, which I think that's been you know known for a while, but now it's starting to gain some steam, and the Republicans down there are getting even more pissed off at him, saying that he's going to you know cost the Republican Party and uh, David Perdue. Is it David Perdue? No, is it David Perdue? No, he's running for Senate. It's uh, whoever the current governor of Georgia is, whatever his name is. Um, going to cost the seat and give it to Stacey Abrams, who Stacey Abrams is one of like the worst progressives in the United States. So I think like attacked, and I don't know if this race is the right for that, but 
similar to it maybe is because there's no way Shane's going to win and become governor of Georgia. Right. So what, like, what's the best for the people of Georgia? Uh, you, I mean, you want to preserve as much liberty as possible, especially in these times when there's so much at, at stake with uh, vaccine mandates and masking and, uh, you know, the school system, CRT in the schools. I think Georgia has a county level um, schooling system. So, I mean, things can they have huge counties down there. Things can change pretty drastically overnight. So I, I think it's with like sort of almost showing like what the chunk of your base is like Libertarian Party, Shane Hazel, hey, you know, I have this much percent, this many thousand, thousands of people. I don't know how you, you know, show the the voting block you have. Maybe you do it through, uh, you know, signing like a petition or something to show you have this much support. Be like, listen, these people will move and support you if you do this, this, and this. I need you to come out on these three things, state, mm-hmm. state that, that, that you know, these are going to be your policies, that you're not going to allow vaccine mandates, that you're not going to allow masking, that you're going to get rid of the income tax in the state of Georgia. If you do that, you'll have the support of this segment and you'll be Stacey Abrams. I, I, don't, I don't know why we don't try things like that. I mean, that yeah, is really yeah. taking the little bit of power you have and, and wielding it. Yeah, I mean, it's well, it comes down to kind of coalition building behind the scenes, right? You know, libertarians, we hardly ever build coalitions. You know, it's like we're flying on our own. Rarely ever do you see even, you know, any any bills proposed. And to your point, you know, rarely do you see political power being wielded. We're always being accused of playing spoilers, right? And even Shane Hazel, I think, you know, Thoe was arguing with him. He's like, you're going to be a spoiler again. You're going to spoil it. And Shane, of course, is already being blamed last race for being the spoiler in the race. And I do like that concept is, yeah, let's take the power that you have. How many, you know, whatever percentage points you think you can account for, 7% maybe after the last race. Yeah, force people to change their policy, force people, wield that voting block like a cudgel and wield that influence and then see what you can get accomplished. Because, I mean, not that there's any promise they're going to follow through on it, but I like that concept rather than simply running and possibly assuring a Stacey Abrams win, wherein they now have, you know, Somebody pulling primarily, and you know it's always primarily pulling from the right. But if if they don't follow through on it, I mean, I think your your bat, your instrument just got bigger because it's showing. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not like it's gonna you're gonna get get the majority overnight because they didn't follow through. But you can kind of start to to grow a movement around that around that, which is it's, yeah. I mean, the Libertarian Party already. I mean, that's where the movement comes from. Basically, from the hypocrisy yeah. of the, uh, the two major parties, so. <laughs> it's true that it's almost something you maybe you'd want to root for them to abandon their promises because, yeah, then we, then way you can say, "Look, these fuckers never keep their promises." This is why we need an actual libertarian in office, not somebody pretending, not somebody that gives us uh, gives us the biz about placating us, placating our talking points, and then runs on something completely opposite. So, yeah, maybe that should be our platform. Making people promise things they will not deliver on and then turning it into a public relations win for the Libertarian Party. <laughs> Get it in writing, clearly. You know, hold it up. This is what he's agreeing to. Yeah. Well, oh, shit, I lost you, Odie. Uh, hopefully, Odie will be back in a moment. Hopefully, that's not my internet, and hopefully, it's Odie's internet that crapped out there. Maybe the water main that we were talking about earlier in the show just uh, crashed into his Wi-Fi. That would suck <laughs> if, Odie, if Odie just froze and he's got a like his basement Wi-Fi is now underwater and his modem's just kind of floating around. But anyway, 
I will instead, and while we wait for Odie to rejoin us, hopefully, and freeze with a uh, goofy look on his face, I will instead move on to something else that I wanted to get into a little bit on this show, which is namely that, you know, we're seeing, well, actually, before I get to the vaccine mandate stuff, because I want to see, hopefully, Odie will be back for that, and that Biden's vaccine mandates have been getting slapped down, and in the in the face of this, in the face of the vaccine mandates being slapped down, being delayed, being told, you know, being basically declared by these lower circuit courts to be unconstitutional. You have Bill de Blasio putting in vaccine mandates for private workers, not just public companies. This, this stupid son of a bitch only has like five days left in office. Oh, there's John. Hey, he's back. I, I was worried the water had gotten in your basement and shorted out your Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's, just a, it was, it's like the great flood here. Just a, a wave of water just washed me out. <laughs> uh, I was just talking about the vaccine mandates getting, yeah, the circuit courts basically saying this shit's unconstitutional. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't force people into doing this on a state level. But then also in the midst of all these mandates being struck down, you've got Bill de Blasio out there creating new vaccine mandates for the city workers and private workers. What are your thoughts on that? Did you see that story? Oh, yeah. And he's going to be out of office in like two or three weeks. So, I mean, initially when it dropped, people were like, well, he'll be gone and his uh, his successor you know, won't follow through. But then his successor just came out today and said, oh, yeah, we're, I'm going to follow through with this. I believe in science also, just just like Bill does. But it's the the craziest part of it to me is that they're enforcing it all the way down to five years old. So yeah. you you can't go to school anymore unless you're vaccinated. I think that, that that's how it looks to me. And I've talked to some people that's I know who live like. live in New York. I don't I don't want to out anyone, but um, I don't think the schools have communicated that yet to the parents. But it seems like that that's that's the way that it's uh, that it's going, which is which is insane because the majority are going to be minorities. Yep. Who are affected by this? It, so we basically, you're just not letting them come to school. I mean, you talk about right. segregation. It's this is blatant segregation. Yeah, and those are the people also who are primarily going to be, you know, the minorities, the the immigrants. Those are the people that probably can't afford to homeschool, right? They can't mm-hmm. have somebody. They probably have dual incomes. Maybe I'm wrong, but most of them probably have dual incomes. They have to go out. They're not working the highest paid jobs. They are not going to be able to homeschool. The other side, I hope that this inspires a shit ton of people to go out and say, you know, screw this. I'm going to homeschool my kid now. I mean, it's happened. I know. I mean, I think I mentioned this another show. Something like 30,000 children in the California school district have pulled out and are homeschooled. I know tons of people just from talking in my neighborhood who have pulled their kids out and are homeschooling right now. Really? And you think about the impact that'll happen or it'll have, though, in a New York City school district. Or, you know, like you saw what was happening with people pulling out of the, um, National Association of School Boards. Mm-hmm. You see that they're, did. They're, a couple states have, yeah. Uh, uh, something like 17 or 18 or something like that have pulled out. And they're they're losing millions, millions and millions of dollars. Like they're going to lose $15 million from their budget. So this is the way, I mean, as horrible as this is, I have to on some level root for it because it's really polarizing people. It is, I mean, I have a hard time understanding why de Blasio is this stupid and how Democrats in general can be this stupid with their policy matters. When you've seen how people react to this, how parents are furious and how it's basically causing this disruption in the school system and making people homeschool because they're not going to put up with it. And then he doubles down on this. It's a self-defeat. I mean, is he trying to set up, is he trying to assure that no Democrat wins in New York for the next 10 years? I I, I don't know. My, my concern is not that initially I, I was really worried that, 
you know, COVID and the vaccines associated with COVID were going to lead to a really tyrannical situation in this country that would create this two-tiered society. I don't think that's going to happen right now, but there's a lot of people who've, like half the country almost, has been identified that they'll go along with mandates like this. So my worry is when there's a vaccine, when if there is another pandemic, or maybe it's associated with climate change in one say, in, in, in one way, uh, but let's just go with the pandemic one. So say there is a, a, a vaccine that comes out that actually works, like a vaccine that works and is safe. Like even the most skeptical people would be like, oh, well, it seems pretty safe. I mean, it's really just, you know, ingredients that you know, we've used this stuff before. It seems pretty safe. Of course, there's going to be ones no, we're going to say nothing's safe. But so at that point, it just comes down to compliance and mm-hmm. how many people are, are, are going to, I think most people will jump on board with that. And then that's how you get a biomedical state. Yeah. And I think that's what they're setting up. And you get the biomedical state, and then you have your, uh, you know, your uh, central bank digital currency linked into yep. that, and they control everything. So that's kind of the path I see going. I don't know if this is two years, five years, fifteen years from now, but I think that's where this whole thing's going. I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that's the end goal as well. You know, they've got the vaccine passport technology. They've got technology, like you said, with digital currencies. And this is why I oppose any digital currency coming from a state sponsor, because mm-hmm. they literally can turn on and off your ability to spend that money. Did you see in the, in the uh, United Kingdom, they have a digital currency proposed. However, they propose that they also have the ability to turn on and off your your capabilities to purchase certain goods or services at their whim. And this is a confirmed. I did not see that. Wow. Oh, it's in the proposal. And this one guy, uh, Steve, I'm blanking on his last name. He was actually at the Austrian Economic Conference I was at. Um, he was uh, Steve Baker, I think his name is. So he specifically called this out because it was in the proposal for the digital currency that they can turn on and off your ability to purchase certain goods. So let's say climate change, like we're talking about. Mm-hmm. They don't want, oh, guys, we're in a, a war-like stance, right? As Prince Charles said, we have to treat this as though it's a war. We can no longer permit our digital currency to be used on fossil fuels because we are in a dire state. Or we can no longer permit our digital currency to be used on ivermectin, right? If it's supposed to be in this COVID pandemic or on X, Y, and Z, they can or turn off your ability you to eat travel. Bugs. In fact, right. your money's worth double if you buy bugs. <laughs> right. Literally. I mean, it's that much manipulation yeah. and control. And not only that, but they track everywhere you go, everything you can do. They can turn off your ability to travel. If you're on a no plus, now you have no options to travel. They turn off your money. It's just, it is mm-hmm. completely about authoritarianism. And yeah, it's absolutely fucking terrifying, man. Absolutely terrifying. Probably just got us uh, banned again on YouTube by mentioning the uh, IV word. Uh, at shit. least we're not. At least we're not streaming this to the private. Seems like the private links always get us screwed. Yeah, so. true. Well, anyway, it, it, whatever. So <laughs> I will say the you know this all dovetails nicely into the next topic. I you know I sent you this hilarious report that China put out. And I actually, because I used to work with the Chinese consulate, I get this sent to me directly on email. <laughs> but I said, you like, I, just, I, I, I read the, I read it initially, but then I couldn't find it again before the show. Okay. Well, it's not, I mean, it's a big, long document, but basically All the right. Ministry of Foreign Affairs for the People's Republic of China had put out a report on the state of democracy in the United States. Now going in this, you know, this is not going to be a full representation, but I do think it's very funny. And I do think that they key upon a few things that every American would have to agree are true. You know, like, let mm-hmm. me let me go through a couple of these for you. 
So they talk about, uh, they have a, a bunch of things broken out here, but I'll, I'll read through like this like table of contents and that's probably enough to, to go off of. I, but they I say the system. Okay, good. Yeah, they go, the alienation and malaises of democracy in the United States, a system fraught with deep-seated problems like that it has become a game of money politics. Yeah, well, that's true. One yeah. person, one vote in name, or one person, one vote in name, rule of the minority elite in reality. Yeah. Also, 100% accurate. Now, and yes, everybody, we know that China is even more pronounced in these, and this is you know at the height of hypocrisy, but still, let me uh, keep going. Checks and balances have resulted in a vetocracy, which is China's way of saying that their system is better because they don't have to worry about vetoes since it's communist one one man rule. Uh, I, I would take. I would. Are we going to talk about these as we go through, or I was going to read all of the ones in in uh, the first section first, that we could go back. Okay. Uh, flawed electoral rules impair fairness and justice, and a dysfunctional democracy triggers trust crisis. So that was the first things that they had they had listed there already. Yeah, I, I would say with uh, number three there, the checks and balances have re- resulted in a vitocracy, um, you know, meaning that basically, <coughs> as they say, well, they can't get anything done. You know, Joe Biden can't right. get anything done because the the uh, Republicans are are stopping things, which I, which is bullshit. It's uh, uh, what happens is just the worst things get done. Right, yeah. All those things get done. <laughs> the debt, all your military the debt's, spending, yeah. Yeah. military, the debt keeps getting get uh, agreed upon. Isn't Mitch McConnell out there campaigning to get Republican votes to pass the new spending or something like that? I saw just today how he had some news I, like I, about I'm, it. I'm sure he is. I, I have no idea. Yeah, I hate Mitch McConnell. He's he's from our fraternity, not the same school, different school, but he's a he's a scumbag. Can't stand yep. it. No beer slides for you, Mitch. Well, yeah, like you said, it's the you know, military-industrial complex. That spending always goes through. And just as a side tangent, you know, I railed about this on my Good Morning Fuckhead today. But you know, this these reports coming out from the intelligence agencies that Russia apparently is putting 175 troops into the Ukraine. Have you read that shit? Have you heard about this? It's the I, most yeah. utmost nonsense. I mean, I've seen the headlines. Is this? It's like does the Ukraine about it. is it one of those things where the Ukraine wants them there or no no they they don't want them there and the the Ukraine was like oh we'll resist them but is that really Russia coming out of a pandemic is going to be putting 175 troops now into Ukraine for what reason for what why now do they do they really think that America we just pulled out of Afghanistan if anything we'd be in a better position to fight them off or to go help Ukraine now than we would have for the past 20 years. So why would they do it now? And my theory is simply that it's, you know, this is just a military industrial complex wanting to secure funding, even though we're in a supply chain crisis, right? You can't get parts, you can't get chips, you can't get whatever, but they want to get those contracts. They want to get that money committed to them. They want to get that money spent, even though we are in a position where we shouldn't be spending shit. So this is just the reason they need to do well, it. That is my theory. Well, you know, I mean, so Donald Trump and Putin, I think, do have a couple things in common in that they both kind of know how to, you know, how to make headlines and, and shake the box, as they say, to kind of get things going in their direction. And I, I would assume that Vladimir Putin is sensing some weakness in uh, the U.S. leadership in Joe Biden. So, I mean, this could just be either real or just kind of just kind just kind of poking the bear, just seeing what happens, seeing what he can get well, away with, but, and also but, expo- exposing the, the weakness that's there. 
Well, there is weakness there, but I mean, but at the same time, Moscow already said we're not. No, we're not going to do any of that. This is all bullshit. So they didn't even like say like, oh, maybe we'll see. You know, they were like, no, this is bullshit. We're not doing. We're not even putting any freaking troops out there. So they even said like they didn't even play the game. They were just like, this is nonsense. Why is this crap even coming out? And where is it coming from? I mean, it reminds me of the Democratic. You know, the Russians stole the Democrat emails. Bullshit. You know, it's the Russians have become such a politically convenient. Um, catalyst for whatever the powers that be want to be talked about that you can just throw anything out there. Oh, Russians training. You know, it's like, remember we, we used to train dolphins to swim with bombs on their heads into submarines. You know, they were like, oh, the Russians have, have sniper bears. And we're like, sniper bears, sniper bears. Somebody get get the robot dog sniper machines out there. You know, that, that fucking MIT is working on more robot snipers to combat Russia's sniper bears, please. Well, it, it used to be the opposite. Like you look back to when Mitt Romney was running against Obama, and wasn't wasn't o, wasn't Obama you know the, vehemently against Russia, and yeah, Romney he was, was kind of for Russia. He, or, yeah, well, Obama was laughing wait, no. off that Russia was a threat. He, I said it, that backwards. Over, yeah, I said it yeah. backwards. Yeah. So now it's like it's like flipped the other way around. Um, right. Exactly. And that's like the positioning, you know, as far as the war on terror, they've reconfigured it that now, oh, Russia again is the big enemy and China. And that's why we have to keep spending money. And instead of the war on terror, it's the war on the great Russian menace once again. You know, it's flipped. We've gone back 50 years in time and flipped. Actually, you know what? Think about that. We have gone back 50 years in time. We've got the new McCarthyism is COVID, right? If you're a closet, instead of being a closet commie, where we have to make sure that you're pledging allegiance, that you're a, a good, upstanding American that doesn't have secreted, closeted commie opinions. Mm-hmm. Now, the new McCarthyism is COVID. Are you a secreted, closeted anti-vaxxer? Or do you, are you a good American who's going to go along and do your part for the country and make sure you get vaccinated and stay home if you're sick? Are you going to go along and go, you know, and, and happily spend your money and, uh, and take your government checks and not say boo about the debt? I mean, this is the new McCarthyism. And we also have the, the red threat is come back right, right around again, conveniently at the same time. Yeah. It's, I think, I think there is something to that. And I was listening to a podcast, I forget the name of it, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he did a great job kind of explaining this point. I'm not going to do it as well, but I'll just kind of give a high-level teaser of it. Um, essentially saying that in the 1950s, that was like the most centralized time in the United States. Like you think about this, just the, the chokehold yeah. that the government had on the people, three TV stations, you know, they, they were controlling everything. And, you know, before that time, you know, farther you get away from it, the more decentralized. And then coming out of it, I mean, kind of pop, uh, I mean, contrary to popular belief, we are getting more decentralized as we go mm-hmm. with, you know, communication and, and finance and cryptocurrency and all this stuff. But like things as they unravel, as they lose that control, it doesn't happen in the same order. But th- yeah. things are just kind of, you know, going back to, you know, not the way they were, but in a different trajectory, if, if that makes sense. It's just more out of no. control, kind of what's going to yeah, happen yeah. next. Well, totally. And, you know, it's got me thinking about, too, like, you know, the gatekeeping that you see them trying to keep the gates closed, right? They, you know, the attacks on Substack, the attacks on social mm-hmm. media, the attacks on alternative media, right, by the mainstream media and by the government saying that we need to control these things. We need to have a uh, ministry of truth, essentially, to control them because they want to bring everything back to those three or four or five main points of media narration as they used to be. And you see that not only with COVID, right? The COVID censorship and disinformation, but 
Also, we saw it during the last election cycle with Russian disinformation, where all these sources, right? Remember they published that list that I can't remember what the uh, org was, but they published a list of like 200 news outlets that they said were disseminating or tied to the Russian Kremlin. And it was like ronpaul.com and you know, lourockwell.com. Like, and, like half, lines, of, yeah, lines of liberty, antiwar.com. Like the number yeah. of websites that had nothing to do with it, they're simply horseshit. But conveniently, Intel services worked with nonprofit, whoever it was, to create this list of alternative media sources, which were to be demonized as Russian disinformation. So mm-hmm. you once again have the McCarthyism in here of the Great Red Scare combined with the Great mm-hmm. COVID Scare to try to quash different points of view and to once again establish the cathedral source of truth. Yeah, I'm sure Michael Bolden was on that list. He's on all the lists. As he no, should he's be. on all the lists. He's, uh, he should be on your gift list. He's a wonderful man. Love Michael Bolden. <laughs> All right, let's see. I, what, I, one other thing I'll talk about, then we can move on. Um, I do think it's funny. So they also talk about messy and chaotic practices of democracy. They talk about entrenched racism, tragic mishandling of the COVID-19 pandemic and the widening wealth gap. And quote unquote, this is my favorite one coming from the Chinese, freedom of speech in name only. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, what, what happens? If, what happened to that tennis player in uh, in China? Who's she? Uh, what about like, yeah, the Uyghurs? Uh, being, talking about being held hostage, and uh, <laughs> I, I will give the uh, the tennis association credit for saying they're not going to do events in China until like she is shown to be like a free person. Yeah, which which is nice. Yeah, it's good. Good on them. Good on them. <laughs> oh, they also talk about color revolutions. Uh, yeah. exporting this brand of democracy and color revolutions. I mean, look, you got to say they, the Chinese have adequately nailed America on its faults. It just is hilarious mm-hmm. coming from China. Like they're right about a lot of these things. <laughs> yeah. A part of it, like the entrenched racism aspect, I've heard that the, the Chinese have used us against that in like negotiations when we're like yeah. coming back, talking about, hey, you know, with the Uyghurs, you can't just kill these people. Like, well, hey, look at your news media. You guys are all riding in the streets and you hate each other. Yep. You're, you're fighting based on the color of your skin. Is that is that so much better? So as the media kind of, you know, pumps this stuff up and the politicians play into it, it's, it's coming back to kick them in the nuts when they try to oh, totally. know, go, go to speak to other countries about how great we are. Like, well, actually, <laughs> you know, look, look on your news over there. It doesn't look so great. Well, that dude, you just nailed exactly what I was going to uh, bring up. Is it's so interesting to see, right? All these powerful elites, right, that have stoked, and and I am committed to my theory that they are intentionally stoking divisive concepts to break up the nuclear family and to break up family units beyond the nuclear family into extended family because that is your backup and your friendships. Your extended family and your friends, that's your backup for your funds. That's your backup if you don't have a job. It's your backup to find uh, find sell, you know, consolation for the loss of loved ones. It's your way to get perspective on the world. And by the government destroying and providing divisive issues that break up friends and family groups, this is all intentional. But it is ironic to me that now you have, right, our great enemy that they're building up over here is pointing out just how fucked these elites have gotten our society by stoking these racial climate political, you know, all the divisions in America, which the elites have leaned into and the news media have leaned into full bore, right? Mm-hmm. To stoke this shit and divide America has given our enemies who was, you know, we used to be united in hate against perfect opportunity to jump on that shit and shove it right in our faces. And they will, and they have, and they'll continue to. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, 
I think the elites kind of want that. Like, uh, like their end goal is not to have, you know, to pro- their end goal is not to protect the rights of the American people and give us the best life. Um, I, I think the end goal is a, uh, a one world government, which not to get all Alex Jonesy, but we already no, kind of have that now. We've seen that with COVID. It's kind of become yeah. like a one girl government. One girl government. I can't talk anymore. Um, <laughs> one world government. One, a one, working- one girl government. <laughs> <laughs> with Angela Merkel in charge. That's what I hope it's happen. my daughter. <laughs> Just one girl. Everyone else in the government is a man, but one girl's in charge. It's what a, a, could go the wrong? entire the entire government. You know, the entire world government comes to a halt when you go. Where do you want to eat tonight? And she goes. <laughs> You pick. <laughs> get some committees together, get some recommendations for yeah. to have dinner. <laughs> uh, what, uh, so that's kind of interesting what you just said. You know, it, it's I guess you're right. I was thinking it's kind of funny that the elites have developed this, you know, this divisive society that now gives our enemies the opportunity, these other countries, the opportunities to attack us. But at the same time, not not focusing on the one world government thing, but actually just focusing on the power struggle thing and the structure. I guess in truth, if we're looking at the 4D chess, uh, and I use a phrase from the Trump era, 4D chess of this, maybe it plays even more into their hands because now China says, okay, we're going to attack America. And now America and the elites can go, hey, everybody, look at China over there throwing shit at us across the fence. We uh, Fuck you, China, right? Who's behind us? Fuck mm-hmm. you, China. It's like, you know, when they when you talk to someone, you're like, I heard China called all you guys dorks. And we're like, they're dorks. I mean, is this essentially what's happening? I mean, I, it works both ways, I guess. They're making out like bandits. Well, I think the only way that, that it could work for them is if they were able, if all these you know major governments were able to regain control of their propaganda, of their message, which in China, I think they can because they're just willing to kill people. Um, no. In the U.S., <laughs> maybe they are just willing to kill people too. We'll find out. But I, I don't think they are. And I, I don't think it would end well if that's what started happening. And I think the the cat is too is too much out of the bag. I mean, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Pandora is out mm-hmm. of the box. Any, any more analogies? But I, I think at the end of the day, China is trying to consolidate power. Um, sort of, you know, they, they stopped or uh, they're they're attempting to stop the uh, trading of Bitcoin and uh, different mm-hmm. cryptocurrencies, things like that, which actually is still continuing, which, which is interesting to uh, to hear about over there. But in the U.S., like that whole market, the whole DeFi market, as it explodes, it's it's just uh, it's just in- inevitable. What's going to happen? I mean, you're going to yeah. have you're going to have the end of the U.S. government as our all of our financial systems and institutions are reimagined and rebuilt. There's no way to to stop that at this point. I don't think. Yeah, I think you're probably right, man. I think you're probably right. Well, let's wrap the show up with an ad, Odie, for our buddy Jason Stapleton and his virtual event, by the way. It's on December 11th, so you can just catch it. You can still attend. You can still register. It's for free. It is with Jason Stapleton, who, of course, has built a great brand for himself. And uh, he and I have done, in my public relations career, a lot of work with Jason as well. This is a free event called Discover 2022. Helps you unlock talent, skills, basically build your brand, and also to find out what's unique about you that you can turn into a career. Now you can register for free. Go get go get it through our link. Go get it now, sons. Stapletonagency.com forward slash discover dash lions. Stapletonagency.com forward slash discover dash dash, sorry, discover dash lions. And you can get in there, register for free. Make sure you use that link. And I want to talk about Burning Daylight. 
Fantastic podcast from Cowboy Libertarian Matt McKinley. Love that man. Very funny. And what else should we talk about, John? Is there anything else that you and I do together that people should tune into? Something that's really interesting. Something that people should be punching themselves in the face every time they don't listen to it over? Degenerate Gamblers? Oh, no. You're talking about The Boring Show. (laughs) The Boring Podcast. Yeah. Tell tell people about The Boring Podcast. That's B-O-H-R-I-N-G. Yeah, we we spell it that way, well, for a couple of reasons. But number one, we may want to make it difficult for you to find, to keep our <laughs> listenership as low as possible. We want it to be an intimate group of listeners. Not really. Tell your friends. We want as many listeners as we can get. Um, so it's Brian, myself, Howie. You guys know Howie, Crazy Howie, the uh, godfather of liberty movement. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rico, our elusive liberty liberty council, legal council. He's not our liberty council. That'd be ridiculous. Never. But uh, it's basically it, the show started out. You know, you guys have heard us talk about before. Started out more with uh, talking about reality TV. That stuff's basically out the window, and we're just talking about whatever's happening in the world, culture, comedy, a little bit of politics. It works its way in there, but we try to avoid yeah. it. A little bit of what's in people's asses. Actually, a lot of that. That's at least yeah, that's every, actually every ninety show. percent of the show. It's every part. show. We play a fantastic game where we do 20 questions on what's stuck in people's asses in the ER room, and then we show the X-ray. It's pretty damn funny, guys. So check that out. Boring, B-O-H-R-I-N-G podcast. Your weekly comedy and uh, cursing and horrible stories podcast. That's about it. So listen to John. He'll be on tomorrow. You can find him always here. John, thank you for coming and joining me on this Electric Liberty Land. All right. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, guys. All right. So remember... Check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. I've been flashing my Lions of Liberty Christmas mug. It is fucking awesome. You can get that at lionsofliberty.store along with all of our wonderful t-shirts like the one I have on, wax on, tax off right now. And uh, you want to get these, get these logos while they're hot, guys. Just going to drop that little Easter egg in there. You may not have the opportunity to get much Lions of Liberty merch on a, a certain fashion for much longer. Hmm. Hmm. Don't want to give too much away, but there you go. So go to lionsofliberty.store and, of course, patreon.com forward slash lionsofliberty or lionsofliberty.locals. So that's it for me, Brian McWilliams, from John Odermatt, from the Lions of Liberty and Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged in to... Ooh.